Good morning. I'm Allie, and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary, and we're so glad that you've joined us this morning. It is the first Sunday of 2019 and a new year, and today is also Epiphany Sunday, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that means as worship continues today. If you're a guest with us this morning, we want to welcome you especially. Um, we invite you to fill out this visitor card that's in the pews in front of you so that we can follow up with you and touch base and just get to know you better. Um, you'll also need a few things as we begin in worship this morning. You'll need a worship folder that looks like this. They're located towards the back of the sanctuary. And then you'll also need a hymnal. So it's hard for me to believe that this is 2019. 2018 was a hard one for me, so I thought that I would be really ready to see this year go. And I thought that at midnight on December 31st, I would be rejoicing and saying, see ya 2018, don't let the door hit you on the way out. But instead I was grieving because I realized I was putting a very tender part of my life behind me, and I wasn't quite sure I was ready to do that yet. So here I stand, along with probably many others of you, facing 2019 with a little bit of apprehension. What might this year bring? Yesterday, I read a litany written specifically for Epiphany, and it gave me peace about our new place in the calendar because it centered me in Jesus' presence of light. So I thought I'd share these words with all of you this morning as we begin in worship together. God, you are good and the gift of Christ is good. We know he came to teach us all that is good, how to live well, how to let love reign in us, and that we are all one body. We know that his own humble beginnings make his glory even more bright, and we come to him offering the best of all we have. The Christ has been revealed to all the world, to all who would seek him. Nothing about him is hidden from those whose hearts are open. In him are boundless riches. In him are mystery and wisdom. Make us awake to that mystery, O God. Let us arise and shine, for our light has come. The Christ, whose justice and righteousness are precious, the light of the world has been made known. God, make us awake. Amen. Arise, your light is come, the Spirit's call obey. Show forth the glory of your God, which shines on you today. Arise, your light is come, fling wide the prison door. Creator of the universe, you came to earth with your godhood wrapped in the flesh of an infant. Lord, as we start a new year, may we be like the hope that came around that infant. May we provide the love, the care, the hope enveloped in everything that we do. Lord, let us live our lives as we start this new year, focused on you, sharing your love in all things that we do. May we resolve that in this time of resolutions. 
But may we live that and be the best that we can be living in your name. It is in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, 
and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They then opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
have all of the children come meet me up front. Hey guys, how are y'all today? So, today is January the 6th, and it's one of my favorite days of the entire year because it's a new holiday. Did y'all know that? Do you know what day it is? The Epiphany, that's right. So, Epiphany is January the 6th, and it's actually an entire season. For 28 more days, it's still Epiphany time. And we talk about some really cool things in Epiphany, and I'm going to tell you all what that's all about. So, who can tell me what this is? I've brought something to show you, and it's very exciting. Are you ready? Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Thomas. Um, Yeah, it's a light bulb. And what do light bulbs do? Give you a bright idea. That's exactly where I'm going with this. Thanks. Well, so when I was growing up, I watched cartoons all the time. Uh, one of my favorite one had this coyote that was always chasing this weird bird. That's right, Wiley Coyote. You know, you know. Um, and he would always try to throw anvils or dynamite or something at this bird. And sometimes when he went time and time and time again and nothing ever worked, something would happen and he'd look up and there would be a light bulb above his head and it would come on. And that means he finally had another idea. Now, it wouldn't work either, but whenever he would figure something out, the light would come on. So in Epiphany, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about when God teaches us things. And specifically, we're talking about the Christmas story. See, we see this idea of this baby in a manger, and we know that shepherds came and worshiped Because they knew that this baby was the Savior they had been looking for for such a long time. They knew that Christ had come as the Savior of the Jewish people. And they'd been waiting for a really, really long time. But in Epiphany, we realize another group that came to see Jesus. And there are these three men that we call the wise men or the magi. And they had some really weird names. According to legend, they were Gaspar, Balthazar, and Melchior. And if I'm going to tell you a secret, I wish my name was Melchior, because it's a really cool name. But they came from far, far away. They came from the east, and they weren't Jewish people, but they came because they knew that this was their king too. So we saw the Jewish people there worshiping because they knew this could be their savior. But when we see those three people come from the east, the light comes on. And we realize that Jesus came for everyone. Not just the Jewish people, but people to the farthest ends of the earth. Jesus came to be Savior for all of us. Sure, the the round world, yes. But we know in Epiphany, and we recognize and celebrate in Epiphany, this light coming on that we realize that Christ came for all of us. Can you all pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for this season that we recognize the truth that you came for everyone. Lord, we ask that you will show us how to live into that realization. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Give 
So as Jeremy said, this season is epiphany. Why is it that we believe in epiphanies, or why do you believe in epiphanies? But what is an epiphany? Uh, we use that term a lot, don't we, to say, oh, I had an epiphany, which means I had maybe a breakthrough or a thought I haven't had before or something that was fresh or something that was new for me. We use it in those terms. But when we define epiphany more in terms of spiritual epiphanies, we're meaning God came to me. A supernatural power, uh, according to the dictionary, came to me. Uh, But God appeared to me in some way. So if we ask you that question today, why do you believe in epiphanies? What would you say? Like this is a raise your hand question. (laughs) Or an answer, I should say. Why do you believe in epiphanies? Well, do you? (laughs) It's another good question. Well, maybe the question is, uh, if you don't, why do you wish you did? What difference would it make if you did believe in epiphanies? If you really did believe that God showed up, that God continues to show up, that God has shown up, God will show up now. What difference would that make? Any perspectives before I call on you? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Not really. (laughs) Okay, Elaine. I think most of my epiphanies have come after an event. When I look back and say, oh my goodness, that was God's hand through all of that. That's a good word. Yeah, somebody else. What difference would it make if you believed in epiphanies? What's the result of your believing in them? Melissa. Um, Probably instead of thinking of the adage, um, the straw that broke the camel's back, I think of the straw that healed the camel's back. That one extra piece of information God gives you that all of a sudden other things kind of make sense. Why do you need epiphanies? Why do you need God's showing up in this new year? And what difference would that make for you? Brenda. Well, I think if, um, for me, when I think about epiphanies and expecting epiphanies, I would live in more anticipation. I would live with more... Um, looking forward and element of surprise and um, yeah. Someone else. Okay, Don, and then to Mandy. I think for me it reminds me that I need to get myself out of the way in order to listen more clearly to God. Well said. That's very similar to what I was going to say. It's about letting go of control. I like to have live in this illusion that I can control what's coming. Um, an epiphany is a reminder that uh, I can't. How many agree with Mandy? Amen. Yes. Yes, we do. Eva has a word. I want to do better this year than I have and take care of my brothers and sisters and my Wednesday night meals and everything and serve God better. And if there's something he wants me to do, I want to do it for him. Amen. And God will show up to help us. I think for me, I live more in a state of like fear and worry most of the time. So kind of like what Brenda said, just living more in anticipation. But I think um, looking for when, when I want to rationalize and worry and stew, whether it's a individual problem, family issue, business-related issue, whatever, looking in anticipation for that epiphany for the spirit to provide a creative solution. Thank you. I think past epiphanies have given me um, reason to keep hoping and to hope that more will come. Amen. 
Well, I think to just summarize our time, um, I think I don't always look for epiphanies, and I think oftentimes I don't recognize them when they do come because I'm not looking for them, I'm not expecting them. Rather than expecting them, I think I would be shocked by them oftentimes. I don't want to live that way, and I don't think you do. The purpose of our conversation today was not to see how deeply we could get into this topic and not how many brilliant thoughts we could have, even though we did have very meaningful thoughts. But the purpose of our time today was to help us all think about what is it that we really need in this new year, and what would we want this epiphany season to be? And what would it mean if we actually expected God to show up? What would it mean uh, if we were looking for God rather than the worst-case scenario or the other things that we've mentioned here or expecting our own selves to be sufficient? What would that look like? I don't know about you, but I long for that deeply. I don't do it well, but I certainly long for it, and I long for it. And my greatest hope of achieving that is the fact that we are in this together and that we are working together to see God and to live more fully. Amen. Sunday of the new year, and all the good people of Calvary are ready to hear from their beloved pastor, Mary Alice. Alas, she has the flu, and in her stead, you have the consolation prize preacher, Chad Eggleston. What a bummer. Ah, but this, this, dear friends, is a useful disappointment, for it is a metaphor for this season of the year, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, as Matthew tells us. The heat and the light of the angelic hosts has quieted. The chaos and the excitement of Christmas has finally died down. And the business of daily living is once again staring us in the face. Several of you have already gone back to work already, I know. But for me, tomorrow is the first day back from a three-week break. 
I call it workmas. And it's not my favorite day of the year, if I'm being honest, although I do love my work, and I haven't really stopped doing it. Uh, the dean's life means that during these seasons of breaks, that's when the grade grievances come in. So, what a wonderful time of year it is. Magical, isn't it, Dean Singletary? Christmas is come and gone. Tomorrow is workmas. Tuesday is schoolmas. And it's time to get back to normal, for better or worse. 2019 has begun, and it's about to get real. Sometimes it just feels a bit like a letdown in the time after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. You see it in the rush to move on when Christmas is done. There seem to be two kinds of people when it comes to Christmas. Those who wish to prolong the holiday well past its sell-by date, and those who take down the decorations on December 26th, I won't ask for a show of hands. At our house, we split the difference, leaving our tree up through Epiphany, but taking our beloved yard blow-up, Christmasaurus Rex, down pretty quickly. Now, if you haven't seen Christmasaurus, it's really something to behold. The kids and I have been all in on this decoration since my dad gave it to us several years ago, but Mandy's taken a little bit longer to convince. If you know Mandy, you'll understand why. One of the great miracles of this year's Christmas has been my wife's full embrace of the dinosaur aesthetic. What a Christmas miracle it has been. But it's always just a little sad to unplug him and stuff him in a box until next year, when Christmasaurus Rex will once again make his glorious appearance. Some of this downer feeling that I'm describing, I'm convinced, is a problem of our own making. If Christmas is just a months-long celebration of consumer culture, then we are deluding ourselves that if we give or if we receive just the right thing, then we'll be satisfied. That's what the good folks on Madison Avenue want us to believe, at least, that we're just one purchase away from true productivity or real happiness. But it's a lie, Christian brothers and sisters, as I can tell you from hard experience. Amazon's Alexa is supposed to help you organize your life, produce shopping lists or add things seamlessly to your calendar, but instead it leads to your son barking out horrifying commands like, Alexa, please play Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> At least he said please. And as a quick aside, I'll tell you, when I asked Davis's permission to tell that story, Alexa immediately jumped in and started to play Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> it was like I found myself caught up in some nightmarish 21st century Abbott and Costello routine. Who let the dogs out? Alexa did. Or maybe you get halfway into building the big Harry Potter Lego set you gave your kids for Christmas, only to realize that it is not, in fact, Hogwarts Castle, but is instead just the Great Hall. And that the castle youth, I know, what? <laughs> Thank you, youth. And that the castle you thought you were building only costs $400, a mere pittance. So the gifts we give one another are fun, but in the end, they only give us a sugar high. And when we come crashing down off of that high, it can be a long fall from our expectation to reality in the days after Christmas. But wait, you say, the Christmas season is 12 days long, and it only ended yesterday. And today is the Feast of the Epiphany, on which we celebrate the coming of the wise men to see Jesus. Yes, imaginary liturgical scolds and seminary nerds, you're right. Yesterday was the 12th day of Christmas. So the calendar by which Christians have operated for centuries actively militates against the way in which our culture typically thinks about Christmas. It's not a single day to give gifts, but a week-and-a-half-long celebration of the birth of Jesus. Christmas did not end until yesterday, and on this day, Epiphany, we think not so much about what gifts we get, but which gifts we will give to Jesus who is himself the true gift of Christmas to those with eyes to see. 
eyes to see. That is the great gift of Epiphany. The wise men are able to perceive Jesus rightly. He is the child who has been born King of the Jews. And we must not miss that this is what Epiphany is. The surprising capacity to perceive Jesus for who he really is. When we see Jesus, when he is made manifest to us, then we are able to look into the time beyond Christmas, not with sadness or disappointment, but with confidence, hope, joy, and peace. That's what epiphanies can do. They help us to see things the way they really are. A few months ago, Davis and I had a small epiphany while I was practicing for the ensemble on a Sunday morning that I think illustrates the joy that epiphanies can and should engender in our lives. Our practice had ended, and Davis came running down this aisle right here with an excited look on his face. He says, Dad, you're not going to believe it. Judging by his enthusiasm, I thought, hey, maybe Davis like, found a $100 bill or something. But instead, he said, our church is a pokey stop. I'll say that again for those of you that missed it. Our youth, you'll appreciate this. Our church is a pokey stop. I hear that back here. Thanks for supporting me. Now, I'm going to spare you the details of what all that entails, frankly, because I don't quite understand it myself. We'll let the little guys come up and explain to you at some point. But it was a big deal if you're a Pokemon guy, all right? Our church is not just a church. It's a place where you can collect Pokeballs, and those Pokeballs can then help you to catch Pokemon, an epiphany. I share that story because the excitement Davis showed seems to me like the excitement that we need when we have seen God in our own epiphanies. Dear friends, you are not going to believe it. God came to us as a little baby, and his coming is good news of great joy for all people. This is the greatest of all epiphanies, that God is really with us, and we have cause for great joy. So how do we get ready for an epiphany? Can you get ready for an epiphany? Isn't that what it is? It's unexpected. I think you can get a little bit ready for an epiphany. And I think that the wise men prepare us or provide with us an example. We can't engineer an epiphany. But the example of the Magi provides us with several wonderful habits to follow in preparing our hearts and minds to apprehend the gift of the baby. First, they paid attention, seeing in the night skies an announcement of Jesus' birth. They observed his star at its rising, and they came to worship him. Indeed, they don't know the details, only that he had a royal lineage and was thus worthy of the honor due his name. Likewise, we too can pay attention to Jesus' presence in and around us. You don't have to be an expert like the Magi, whose astrological expertise served them well. You don't have to be a religious expert in the modern sense. And I will tell you, having earned a PhD in biblical studies, that such education can sometimes be an impediment to perceiving God's presence in your life if you're not careful. I can get so caught up in who wrote a passage when and under what social or historical circumstances that I forget to listen for God's voice in the scripture. But I and you, we can be ready for the epiphanies around us. We need only keep our eyes open, follow our callings, and wait. Just as the star pointed to God, so also can acts of loving kindness Attention to justice and peacemaking point to God. Many of you have likely heard Howard Thurman's quote about the work of Christmas. He said, and I quote, When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, 
the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. So first we learn from the wise men to pay attention, dear friends. Wherever the work of Christmas is being done, that is one place where epiphanies may well occur. In addition to paying attention, the Magi also showed up, acting on the newfound knowledge they perceived. Here once again is the command of the Lord to Abraham and of Jesus to his disciples that we must go. The Magi perceive a divinely appointed event, and they do what is simultaneously both the simplest and the hardest thing to do. They show up. Interestingly, they show up in the wrong place, Jerusalem. But in their showing up, they start asking questions, and they are able, in fits and starts, and what was undoubtedly a circuitous route, to learn that the baby they sought was in Bethlehem, not the provincial capital. So they are paying attention, asking questions, and showing up. Not a bad recipe for our own searching. But here's the thing for us, just as with the wise men, we will not be present for God's manifestation, God's epiphany, unless we are willing to show up. To the hospital room where things can get very uncomfortable. To your grandmother's house in Alabama over Christmas, to be with family even when you know that grandma is going to ask you earnestly and maybe a little passive-aggressively, are you going to stay in Texas? I admit that last one's not a hypothetical, okay? <laughs> to the nursing home where the loneliness can be so uncomfortably palpable. But God is often there, dear brothers and sisters, and if we want to be like the wise men and not miss out, we must pay attention, and we must show up. Incidentally, showing up when you're looking for God often entails coming to this very place to gather with the people of God and wait for God together. This church is especially good at showing up, as our pastor herself, not Barbara Brown Taylor, not Brene Brown, not Frederick Beekner, but Mary Alice Birdwhistle, as she remarked just yesterday, when reflecting on the love of this community while she's been ill. She said, and I quote, Times like these remind me of what a gift it is to be surrounded by such a kind, real community who always shows up. Always. This is a church that shows up, and may we continue to show up and look for the epiphanies around us. Incidentally, although I'm sure I'm not the first person to quote Mary Alice Birdwhistle in a sermon, I would like credit into perpetuity for quoting Mary Alice from her own pulpit in her absence. This rhetorical move makes this the sermonic equivalent of the movie Inception. Let she who has ears to hear, hear. The point is, Calvary, that you are good at showing up. And when you do, you may well recognize God in our midst if you will but pay attention. Finally, in search of an epiphany, we should react like the wise men who were well prepared to give their finest gifts to the child who had been born king of the Jews. Overwhelmed with joy, the wise men saw the child. They knelt down and they paid him homage. Opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having come prepared for just such an expression of adoration and love, the wise men responded according to that preparation, giving to the baby extravagant, extravagant gifts that Jesus and his poor family had likely never even seen. The gifts seem a little odd, don't they? What use would Mary, Joseph, and of course the baby have gotten from them other than perhaps resale? But that is not the point. The point is that they are gifts fit for a king that the wise men had it in their capacity to give. They are gifts that point to the wealth of the nations being brought to the child Jesus along the lines described by the prophet in Isaiah in the passage that was just read. In short, they are the very best gifts that they could have given. 
and we might ask ourselves what we are preparing to give to the Lord in 2019. What gifts do you have for the baby Jesus, the child king? With what will you come before the Lord? Christmas time is over, but it is still Epiphany, and there are gifts yet to be given. Only in this instance, no luxury vehicle or even a Hogwarts castle itself will suffice. And so, dear friends, with epiphanies happening all around us, let us not give in to the boredom, the ennui of the post-Christmas season. This is a season of divine manifestation, not a time to rush away from the child Jesus, but a time to live into all that Jesus' presence will mean in our lives. Pay attention. Show up. Give your best gifts to God. The gifts may fade, and the decorations will come down, but Emmanuel, God with us, dwells in our midst. Have you not heard? Do you not perceive it? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let us pray. O God of Israel, from age to age, you have seen fit to show yourself to your people. Give us eyes to see. May we perceive you in the still small voice, in the great theophanies of Sinai, and in the baby in a manger. And may we be joyful in our seeing. Amen. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, today we ask that you continue to reveal yourself to us as you did for the Magi. During this time of tithes and offerings, allow us to be perceptive people able to see where you might be revealing yourself to us today. And with faith like the Magi, may we rise and come to worship you with all of our hearts, our gifts, and our love. Amen. Hi, Calvary family. I just wanted to introduce to you our new preschool coordinator. This is Gabby Warnick, and a lot of you may have already recognized her from helping an extended session, or you have preschool or nursery kids. Um, she's been one of our wonderful child care workers here since this summer, and we're excited that she has such a heart for ministry and such a heart for kids and families that she wanted to step up into this position and uh, minister more to than just the little ones here in our congregation, but to their families as well. So I wanted you to meet Gabby and to see her face. We'd love for you to be involved in our children's ministry and our preschool ministry here. If you're willing to help us in extended session with the little ones during the service, we'd love for your help. If you'd love to help with Sunday school or anything like that, um, Gabby's the one to talk to, and we're excited about her in this position and um, wanted to welcome her into a more um, official role here at Calvary. So, thank you. Let's welcome Gabby. <laughs> and also, we express appreciation to the work that uh, the team that Jennifer's on has done. You'll see in your um, announcements today that, you, that a children's uh, minister uh, announcement is forthcoming. So you see that uh, will be happening in the very near future. So be looking for that in this week's tower and then uh, to some times to meet this uh, new person, this new minister that will be among us. Pay careful attention to all those things that are in your announcements and um, look at those. A number of things are happening. This is still not fully the new year, but it doesn't mean that Calvary's dormant and that nothing's going on anymore. I don't know about you, but to, when I stepped into church this morning, it seemed so plain from having been so absolutely lovely during the Advent season. I just wanted to say a special thanks. We thank them a lot, but the, to the people that did the decorations during Advent, thank you so much. And it seemed like we took all the pictures down that we moved out or something uh, when you came in this morning, but gradually through the morning, my eye has um, started to adjust, but I've missed all the uh, festive things that we had during that season. During these next Sundays, we will be uh, celebrating Epiphany. We'll be observing it in many ways, looking each week at what does Epiphany mean and how do we uh, live out the season of Epiphany in those uh, moments in our lives. 
It's good to be back together after uh, what seems like a long time of being away. Much happens, as Chad said, during the Christmas season, and it seems like a long break. But welcome to this new year. The hope for the new year is that we get to live it together. Now let's stand and hear these words as we depart. Go now as a light to the nations. Honor the Lord. Preach what you know of the risen Christ and fulfill all righteousness. And may God strengthen you and bless you with peace. May Christ Jesus bring forth justice for you. And may the Holy Spirit light your way and affirm you as beloved. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.